I in your name? Didn't I cast out demons in your name? Didn't I do many wondrous works? And he'll look at them and say, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity, because their motives were wrong. They were doing the right things, but they had the wrong motives. And some people have the right motives, but doing the wrong things. So we have to get it together. And that's what my sermon tonight is about life. Let's get it right. We only have one life to live. What they call it, YOLO, you, on, you only live once. We only have one life to live. So we have to get it right. So we're going to talk about some things, some keys that will help us in the struggle. Pastor Butch said that sometimes people get bored in their spiritual walk. And sometimes we do. Sometimes we find it boring. But sometimes there are some certain areas that we can just sharpen up, that we can tweak in a little bit, that we can do things a little different. And believe me, the Christian walk is not boring. If you find the Christian walk boring, you need to challenge yourself a little bit. Step it up a notch and let's turn it up because there are things that are amazing in the Christian walk. It's so exciting. I wouldn't change my life for anything right now. I've been challenged. I've been stretched. I've come out of my comfort zone. I've come out of a shell. And God uses us. God uses us and brings us to another level. He helps us to succeed, to endure, to flow, to function, to mitigate through life's valleys and mountains. You know, life is supposed to, life is meant to be lived in the valley. And the valley is where life is, not on the mountaintops. The mountaintops are beautiful. But life is lived in the valley, and that's where we are. We're, we're where the predators are. We're out where the vines are that you have to trudge through the deep places sometimes. And it does get a struggle to walk. But God's right here with us, and he's bringing us through. God sees you as blessed and highly favored. But sometimes we have to see ourselves. We have to get that information inside of us. So I'm glad that you're listening to me right now as I preach because God's going to start to show you glimpses and flashes of your future God's going to start to show you glimpses of things that he may want you to work on in your life. Things that he may want a little adjustment or a little correction. But also while I'm preaching, I believe God's going to show you the blessings to come in your life once these areas are taken care of. So while I'm ministering this sermon, I want you to be open to the Holy Spirit, his gentle tugging at your heart, and see what he has to say. Pastor Butch said God's desires our desires become his desires the closer we get to him. And I thank God that God's desire is to give you your heart's desire, especially when your desire is his desire. Jesus' main goal was to be one with the Father, and that should be our goal, to be one spirit with God. And that way our desires become his desires. I want to read my opening scripture that Donna already read. Psalms 34, so if we can get it up. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. We're going to talk about 
how to live the right life, how to get life right. And the first key to getting our life right is we have to have the right atmosphere. We have to prepare the right atmosphere that's all around us. In Psalms 34, King David, this scripture that we just read, King David was describing how he overcame the adversity that was in front of him. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast. O magnify the Lord with me. In Psalms 103, King David said, bless the Lord, O my soul. King David was constantly telling him, him his, constantly reminding his flesh to praise the Lord, to worship the Lord. Also in Psalms 100, I heard Jen say this scripture many times. We enter into his th gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. That's how we enter in. And that's talking about the courts of the temple of God. When we enter the courts, we're going, it's, it's describing it as going into the temple. There's the outer courts, and then there's the holy place, and then there's the holy of holies. And we go into the courts with thanksgiving and praise and worship. That's how we begin to go in. And then as we move into worship, we go into the holy place. The holy place is where the candles were, which represent the Holy Spirit. It's where the showbread was that represented the word of God. It's where the altar of incense was in the holy place that represents our worship going up to God as sweet incense. That's in the holy place. And then as we go into worship, the Holy Spirit comes and takes us by the hand and brings us into the holy of holies. That's preparing the atmosphere. That's what it means to prepare the atmosphere. I think I mentioned once before, we were at a prayer meeting and we were all worshiping and on our face before God. And we got up after we worshiped and we started talking about what we saw while we were worshiping God. And three of us had the same vision that the Holy Spirit came and took our hand and brought us behind the veil to the Holy of Holies. And we were at the feet of God. We were at the throne. All three of us had that same vision. That's preparing the atmosphere. When you prepare the atmosphere into worship, that draws God into your situation, that draws God into your circumstances, and that gives God the opportunity to move. Emotions create atmospheres. When we walk into a room, if someone in that room is depressed or grieving or suicidal, we feel the heaviness in that room. I don't know if you've ever done that, but when you walk into the room and someone in there is real sad, they don't have to say a thing. They don't have to do a thing, but you feel the heaviness in that room. If you walk into a room and someone's afraid or frightful, you feel the anxiousness in that room. You, you feel the, the anxiety. You feel the tension in that room. One thing animals can feel when someone's scared. Dogs can feel when someone's scared. If there's a, a person that has a dog and that master of the dog is scared, if you go up to that person, the dog may bite you because he knows that his master is scared. Same thing with horses. Horses can sense when you're afraid. So these feelings can be sensed. Emotions create atmospheres. When, when there's a person that's angry, you may walk into a room just after a person started venting and raging, but he doesn't have to say one thing. He doesn't have to project one word, but you can feel the hostility when you walk into the room. 
because emotions create atmospheres. God is the same way. God is moved by atmospheres. And that's what we've done when we were in praise and worship just now. We prepared the way for the Holy Spirit to usher the Holy Spirit into this room. When, when we start praising, when we start worshiping, it, the Holy Spirit just floods the place. God responds to atmospheres of thanksgiving, gratitude, praise, and worship. I believe while we were worshiping earlier that, that we were transported, translated, escalated, escorted into the Holy of Holies because we were at his feet. That song, Welcome Holy Spirit. Ooh. Welcome Holy Spirit. When we say that, welcome Holy Spirit, he comes. The Holy Spirit is here with us. When we invite him into our presence, Thomas isn't here tonight, but at the men's meeting, he was telling a story of an experience that he had. He went, he got up and he prayed, Lord, put somebody in my path that I can witness to, that I can minister to, that I can have an encounter with and tell about Jesus. So he went to the grocery store, and he parked next to this brand-new truck, and he said he parked a little too close. But the guy got out all irate, and he, he was, like, going to fight Thomas. You know, and Thomas was like, this isn't what I prayed for. <laughs> but Thomas started praying. He said, Jesus, you love this guy, and this guy means a lot to you. Intervene in this situation. And when he did, the guy started crying. The guy broke down in tears and hugged Thomas. What did he do? Thomas invited Jesus. Thomas prepared the atmosphere when he prayed that morning. Thomas set a road path for that day. And then when he was there in front of that guy and he prayed, he brought Jesus into the situation. The Holy Spirit intervened. The guy says, I've been a Christian. I've been backsliding for years now. And I'm ready to get right. And Thomas prayed with him in the parking lot. And he said they went into the store and his truck was still parked right next to the guy's truck. And they went into the store together. But we have to invite the Holy Spirit by preparing the atmosphere. There, there's another story in the Bible of King David. Well, young boy David and King Saul. King Saul was a manic depressive the Bible says that an evil spirit would come from the Lord and it would torment him and it would make him depressed and oppressed and he may have been bipolar and he would just get out of his mind but he did a strange thing. He told his servants, go and get David and tell him to bring his harp. Tell him to bring his harp. So he did and King David came. Boy David came. He was a young boy carrying a big harp and he came in and he began to play the harp and he began to worship God. And it says the evil spirit left Saul. Why? Because all David did was fill the atmosphere with praise and worship to the Lord. He prepared the way for God's spirit to come in. And when God's spirit comes in, when we draw God's spirit into our atmosphere, into our presence, it expels the evil. It pushes out the darkness. So that's what King David did. He came in and he played before Saul. We can't afford to go through this life as thermometers. Thermometers are affected by ambient temperature. The ambient temperature changes, they change. We're called to be thermostats. We're called to change the environment that we're in. We're called to change the atmosphere that we're in. Thermostats normally control the temperature unless they're like these. 
I apologize for that. We'll get that fixed. Normally, they control. If everything's working, they have to be connected to a source. They have to be connected to the right source. And that brings me to my next point. Let me not get there just yet. We have to create the right atmosphere. People carry spirits with them. We talked about going into a room and emotions create atmospheres. Sometimes people create atmospheres. There are people that carry spirits with them, just like this spirit was tormenting King Saul. Some people are all about drama. Everywhere they go, there's drama, drama, drama. Every, there's some people that have negativity all around them. Everywhere they go, they're negative Nelly, negative Nelly, negative this, negative that. Oh, poor me. And then there's some people that are hostile. They're angry all the time. And then, and then there's the ones in the airport that always have the spirit of confusion. <laughs> I see them. I can see them from a mile away. And I'm like, Lord, please don't put me on that flight. And I know it. And I get on the flight. And next thing you know, they're in my seat. They're in the wrong seat. They're holding up the flight. They're holding up the stewardess. And confusion just follows them but you know there's also people that are faith-filled that are loving that are kind that are tender-hearted that have joy that have peace that have strength spirit-filled people we have to choose those people to be around because we have to protect our atmosphere there's another thing that carries spirits what about music what about the kind of music that we're listening to Music definitely brings spirits. Music is used in praise and worship. Music was used by David in the presence of King Saul to fill the place with, with, with worship, to prepare the atmosphere for God's presence to come in. But music is also used in dark and evil places. There's some ugly music that you don't have to use discernment to know it's not right for you to listen to. You just listen to it and hear the words if you can understand them. If not, if you can't understand the words, Google it and find out what they're saying. Make sure that it's right music to listen to because music changes the atmosphere. We have to, the Bible says that know ye not you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. We have to be a better host of the Holy Ghost. We got the Holy Ghost inside of us and God is drawn to atmospheres and God withdraws himself from atmospheres. So we have to make sure that our atmosphere is right. We have to make sure that we have the right atmosphere around us. The second thing to have the right life is we have to make sure that we're connected to the right energy source. You know, you can have a 120 volt drill that can do a lot of work. It can drill through half-inch metal. It can drill through plywood. But if you try to connect that drill to a 12-volt battery, it's not going to do you much good. And then vice versa, you can have a 12-volt drill, and if you connect it to 120 volts, it's going to go real good for about three seconds, and then it's going to catch on fire and melt. So it's not going to work for you. we got to be connected to the right energy source. We have to be connected to the right energy source. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. You see, the battles we fight are not spiritual battles. They're fleshly battles, but they're spiritual battles. We have to fight them from a spiritual perspective. The battles that we fight in this life are of the flesh. But 
We have to use our spiritual weaponry. If we fight the fleshly battles, addictions, sin, emotions, sickness, all of these battles from the flesh, then, then our flesh is weak. But if we fight it from the spirit, if we, if we fight these battles from the spirit that's inside of us, the Bible says greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. We have overcome him by the spirit that's inside of us. So if we pray in the Holy Spirit, if we start using our prayer language in the Holy Spirit, we can tear down walls. We can change atmospheres. We can overcome enemies. We can eliminate confusion. We can increase our faith when we begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. But religion will say that's not for today. Religion will say that was for a time long ago, but I'm telling you it's for now. The Holy Spirit is here with us right now. The, the Holy Spirit was talked about in Matthew. It was talked about in John. It was poured out in Acts chapter 2. It was talked about in Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 19. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul spoke about it. Paul said, in fact, I speak in tongues more than you all. All means all. That wasn't just for the apostles. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. If you don't believe that tongues are for today and for us, then you're not believing in part of the Bible. The Bible says make an altar with, with, with pure stones, not tooled stones. Don't put a man's tool on that stone when you build an altar. If we're taking a part out of the Bible, that's just like building an altar with two stones. We're chiseling it out of the Bible, and we can't do that. If it's in the Bible, we believe in it, and we're not ashamed of it because we Bible-talking, faith-filled, Holy Spirit-filled Christians, and we're going to walk, and we're going to talk, and we'll be prayed up in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is tapping into a supernatural power source. That's our energy source. I want you to search your heart tonight and think about, am I tapped into the right energy source? Am I plugged into the Holy Spirit? Am I utilizing every tool that he has for me to overcome the battles that I'm facing? I have a story on the energy source. Thomas, Edwards, Thomas Edward Lawrence was born in 1888 in Wales. He was known for his military liaison for the British Army in the Arab Revolt in World War I. Most people know him as Lawrence of Arabia. You might know him from the, the movie that was out, Lawrence of Arabia, the book that he wrote, Seven Pillars of Wisdom. So Lawrence of Arabia, what he did was he went and he grabbed these Arab sheiks and they went and they fought against the Turks. Turkish, who was battling in the Middle East against the British military. So what he did was classic guerrilla warfare. He kept them occupied, basically. So after World War I, he gathered a lot of the sheik friends that he had and brought them home so he can celebrate them for the work that they did. And they met with the Queen. They met before Parliament. They met before the House of Commons. And they had a wonderful visit. And he told them, while y'all are here, I'll give you anything that you want. And the sheiks brought him up to the hotel room. 
and they pointed at the faucet in the tub. And he, they said, we want the faucet. We want to be able to bring running water to the desert where we're from. But they didn't realize that the faucet was just superficial. The faucet was actually connected to a source. It was connected to the plumbing behind the wall. It was connected to a, a heater that was an energy source. It was connected to the city main that was had a line out to a source, a body of water that it was drawing in. You see, it wouldn't have mattered if that faucet was 24 karat gold. Without the source, it could do nothing for them. If we're not plugged into the right source, we can't do anything. We can't do anything. When we speak in tongues, we speak in directly to the throne of God. The Bible says the spirit knows the deep things of the heart. So who could pray better to God but the spirit that resides inside of us? Because he knows exactly what we feel and he knows exactly what we need. There's no filter. There's no agenda. He's speaking directly to God. So when we speak in tongues, we speak in directly to the throne of God. In fact, when we speak in tongues, the enemy doesn't even know what we're talking about. It confounds the enemy when we speak in tongues. The enemy only knows what he sees. He knows the things that you do. He knows your ways and, and, and your patterns. He, he knows the things that trip you up and your triggers. But he doesn't know what we say when we speak in tongues. And I'll use a story to explain this. The same thing happened in World War I with the Japanese. Every time we would make plans and battle strategies, the Japanese would always be one up on us in World War I. What happened was the Japanese had interpreters. And when we would speak over the radio, they would interpret those messages. And they would know the battle plans. So what the United States did was they went to the Navajo Indian Nation where they only were taught a language on the reservations. And they got 17 of the Navajo. And they started transmitting battle commands through the Navajo language. And the Japanese interpreters understood English, but they didn't understand Navajo. So we ended up winning the war because of the, the Navajo tribes that helped us, the 17 Navajo. They called them code talkers, but another word was wind talkers. They were wind talkers, wind talkers. How awesome is that? I'm telling you, we don't have to play fair with the devil. We can go straight to the throne of God. We don't have to play fair with the devil. What do we need to do to begin talking in, in spiritual prayer language? We need to be baptized in the, excuse me, in the Holy Spirit. If you've never spoken in tongues before, it's God, it's there for you. But I want you to ask God tonight. In fact, I want you to ask God right now, Father, give me baptism in the Holy Spirit. If you've never spoken in tongues, the word says, what man is there among you who has a son if he asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? How much greater or how much more does the heavenly father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So if we ask God for baptism in the Holy Spirit, he'll give it to us. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit. We must be refilled with the Holy Spirit. And we have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. How great would it be if America was filled with the Spirit? 
That would solve so many problems, so many social problems, so many financial problems, so many problems with, with race and war, so many problems with the corrupt government if America was filled with the Spirit. I want to tell you the difference in being filled with the Spirit and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this is something that God showed me a while back. And I demonstrated it at the Red River Ministries in Addis one day. To be filled with the Spirit, if you take a cup and you fill it with water, that cup is filled with water. The water represents the Spirit. And that cup can be poured out on areas that need water. And that's powerful. That's powerful. We can't limit the power of the Spirit. But you take that same cup, baptism of the Holy Spirit, that same cup of water that's filled with water, you take that same cup and you immerse it into a picture, a pitcher that's filled to the top with water. Now that cup of filled water is immersed inside of water and the water is flowing in and out of it and it never empties because it's submersed in something that's bigger than it. When we're immersed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're immersed in something so big that the, the power is unlimited. The power is unlimited. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we have the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. But when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, there are gifts that come, discernment, wisdom, words of knowledge, miracles, mighty gifts that come with baptism in the Holy Spirit. We have to have the right atmosphere. We have to have the right energy source. And next, we have to have the right information. We have to have the right information coming to us. If we listen to garbage all day long, if we listen to garbage all week long, every day, hour by hour, y'all know what I'm talking about if y'all have a secular job. There's garbage that you hear is around us. But if we take in that garbage, how can we see a rose garden? How can we see something beautiful? If we take in negativity all day long, if we take in anger, if we take in all of these negative thoughts and perverse ways, then all we'll see is a world filled with hopelessness and fear. I said once, and there was a wise man that said this, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head. But you can stop him from building a nest in your hair. You can stop him from building a nest in your hair. You have to cast that down. That's what 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, casting down every thought and every high thing that would exalt itself against God and taking into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. To the obedience of Christ. We have to cast down those bad information. Your eyes are a window to your soul your mind, will, and emotions. Philippians 4.8. I don't know if I gave you that verse or not. I did. It says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's anything that's praiseworthy, if there's any virtue found in them, dwell on these things. Dwell on these things. This is what we need to take in. It's not enough that we have to hear it, but don't take it in. Don't let it get inside of us. We have to take in the good information. We have to digest it. We have to absorb it. We have to internalize it. We have to get the good stuff inside of us. 
Sometimes it's easier to take distractions. It's easy to be distracted. And I'm telling you tonight, don't be distracted from what I'm saying because these are keys to sharpen areas that you need in your life. In Jeremiah 15, 16, it says, Jeremiah 15, 16, I may have not gave you that one. It says, your words are found and I ate them. Your words were found, and I ate them. And your word was to me joy and rejoicing in my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. We're all called by the name of God. We're Christians. We're Christ-like. We're to be like Christ. We're called by his name. We're followers of Christ. And we have to take in his word. What does his word say? It doesn't matter what the opinions of people say or their thoughts. Or it doesn't matter the situation or circumstances around you. It depends on what God says. What does God say about my life? What does God say about who I am? What does God say about my family? As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. What does God say about your future? Jeremiah 20, 29, 11. For the thoughts I think to you are good, not of evil, for a future and a hope. God has plans for your future, and it's good plans. What does the Lord say about your freedom? He who he sets free, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. It's free indeed. We don't have to walk around in bondage. We don't have to walk around pressed down. Because it all matters what God says. What information are we taking in? We have to know what God says. So many, people, so many people these days know more about what did the Fox say or what did Fox News say than they know about what God says. Look at your neighbor and say, look out, he's preaching now. What did the Fox say? What does Fox News say? So many people are encapsulated by what Fox News is saying. But what about what does God say? What does God say? That's what's important. There's another story in the Old Testament in Joshua somewhere around the 6th or 7th chapter about Gideon and the Midianites. The Midianites had just taken over Israel. God delivered actually Israel into the hands of the Midianites because they were rebelling against God. So the, the Midianites were coming and they were destroying the Israelites' produce and their livestock. So Gideon, it says the Israelites had made strongholds and caves they were hiding in caves from the Midianites. But Gideon was in a cave. He was threshing wheat in a wine press. And an angel of the Lord came to him and says, Oh, Gideon, God be with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said, How can God be with us if I'm hiding in a cave, threshing wheat in a wine press because we're scared of the Israelite Midianites for all that they've done? And the angel went on to tell him, says, You're going to deliver the Israelites from the hand of the Midianites. And Gideon, what, what was God doing? He said, you mighty man of valor. God was trying to get good information into Gideon. God was trying to change the way Gideon thought about himself. God was trying to get Gideon aware of more than the fear and the situation and circumstances that was around him. God wanted to give Gideon a new perspective. If we could just see ourselves through God's eyes. If we could just see ourselves through God's eyes. God calls things that are not as though they are. God will speak to you not from your perspective of you, but through your potential. 
God will not speak to you through your perspective of yourself, but he speaks to you through your potential. Not who you are, but who you are to be. That's who God's going to speak to. Let's look at, he said, when the angel told him this, Gideon began to manifest his inferiority. He said to the angel, Gideon said to the angel, he says, I came from the least of the tribe. And of the least of the tribe, I was the least person. I was the smallest person in the least of the tribe. Isn't it good that God chooses the small people? He doesn't choose the equipped people. He doesn't choose the people that got it all together. He chooses the people because he sees the potential inside the person. He doesn't see them in the season that they're in right now. He sees the potential inside the person. Isn't that how we do, though? When God calls us to something, that's our thoughts. When Pastor Butch asked me to pastor the church, the first thing was I thought in my mind, I can't do that. And I'm right. I can't do that alone. But God can do that. Me and God can do it efficiently. All my life I've prepared for this moment. Since I was young, it was prophesied on me to be a pastor of a church. In fact, I made a statement that if I wasn't on the mission field, by the time I was 30, I would have missed the mark. But that wasn't God's timing. That was my timing. God had some strengthening to do in me. God had to change the way I looked at myself. God had to teach me things. I had to walk through things. Because if I would have been on the mission field when I was 30, I would have failed. Because I wasn't prepared. So what did God do to prepare Gideon? When pastor told me that and I started thinking those thoughts, the first thing the Holy Ghost did was he rose up inside of me and he said, no, you're a son, you're a minister, you're a pastor. These things ye shall do, ye shall do. And there was faith that rose up inside of me and that's why I'm standing here today because of the one that created the universe is inside of me and he's here helping with me. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So what did God do to Gideon? He told Gideon to go down to the enemy's camp. Go down to the, the host of the Midianites. God told Gideon, I want you to see how they think of you. I want you to know how I think of you. And then I want you to change how you think of you. And that's what God has to do to us. When Gideon went down to the camp of the Midianites, he heard two guys talking about a dream that they had, a, a, a barley cake rolled into the camp and hit a tent and it destroyed the tent. And the guy says, what do you think about that dream? And the other one says, it can be none other than the sword of, of Gideon. And just hearing that, Gideon had enough strength to rise up and take the Midianites with 300 people. He had 32,000 people and God said, no, that's too much. People will say, you've done it. So he cut it back down to 10,000 people. And then they went down to the water, and they, the ones who drank from their hand, he said, choose those. He cut it down to 300 people, and they took the Midianites with a, a candle and a pitcher, not even swords. And the Midianites were so afraid of them, they killed themselves. They killed themselves. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, but we have to have the right perspective of who we are. We have to see ourselves like God sees us. Don't let the enemy and God see you like a big, bad, lean, mean machine, Holy Ghost filled, ready to destroy the works of the enemy, and we still stuck on shy and timid. We still stuck on shy and timid. But yet God sees us like that. God doesn't see us as bound. God doesn't see us as poor. God doesn't see us as broke. God doesn't see us as kicked around by life. 
God sees us as overcomers. God sees us as the head and not the tail, the lender, not the borrower, the beginning. God sees us as overcomers. He, we are royal, chosen priesthood, a holy nation, peculiar people. God sees us as mighty men, and va men of valor, mighty women of valor. God sees us in our potential, not our perspective, not our situation, not our circumstances, not the season that we're walking in right now. God sees us in our potential. I want you to stop thinking of those negative voices. Pastor Butch mentioned it earlier and what he was saying. We hear those negative voices. Those negative voices saying, you can't do that. You're not equipped to do that. You're not adequate. You don't have enough scripture inside of you to witness to that person. That's not your place to do that. I don't want you to think about that. And while I'm preaching tonight, I want you to think of those things that the enemy told you that you couldn't do and know that God sees you as an overcomer. He sees you in your potential. Your perspective has to begin to change. The Spirit is stirring up something on the inside of you. It's changing something in you right now where you'll never be the same because your perspective is changing. Our identity is being created and developed inside of us we're getting a boldness inside of us in fact when you wake up in the morning and your feet hit the floor the enemy is going to start to tremble because you're realizing who you are in Christ and the things that you can do and you're coming out of the comfort zone and stepping into the things that God has for you to do the fourth key that I have to have in your life right is we have to have to have the right location we have to have the right atmosphere. Excuse me, I need some water and an air condition. Whew. We have to have <clears throat> the right atmosphere, the right energy source, the right information, and the right location. In 1 Kings chapter 17, God spoke to Elijah. There was a famine in the land. The Israelites were in a famine. And he told Elijah, go up to the little river, to the brook. And he said, I'll send the birds to feed you. He said, go up over there to the little river. So Elijah went, and the ravens came and, and fed Elijah while he was there. And then the brook dried up. And God told Elijah, Go to the widow, widow woman over there, the widow, widow woman over there. He said, I, I've commanded her to feed you. So Elijah went over there to the widow woman, and she fed him. You see, he had to go over there. Sometimes we have to be in the right location. When God told Abraham to leave Ur of the Chaldeans, and he said, leave, and I will bless you, and you'll be blessed abundantly, and I'll make you a father of many nations. What if Abraham would have waited till he got the plan, if he got the rest of the story? If he'd have said, well, I'm, I'm, I'll go, Lord, but you're going to have to tell me what all it's going to cost me. What's, what commitment, what's my part in this? If Abraham had to wait, then he'd have never left her of the Chaldeans because, you see, sometimes we have to move to a different location. We have to go up to another place. The blessing is always connected to a location. The blessing is always connected to a location. 
Sometimes we put our trust in systems more than God. Sometimes our source is actually the systems. And we wait for the systems to provide what we need. But God is calling us to a place. And I'm not talking about a geographical location. I'm talking about a spiritual location. God is calling us to a place. God's telling many people here tonight, it's time for you to move up. It's time for you to move to another level. It's time for you to turn it up, to crank the knob up. It's time for you to allow the Holy Spirit to start moving you into this location. It's just like a quarterback throwing a football. He throws it to where the receiver's going to, not to where the receiver is. God's released those blessings, the favor and the blessings already, but we have to move into a position of provision to receive those blessings that God's already released. How many of us want a double portion, a double anointing, a double portion of God's blessing and God's favor? When Elisha, when Elijah came to get Elisha and called Elisha to follow him, Elisha did an amazing thing. He broke the plow. He broke the plow. You see, the plow to Elisha represented an old system. That was Elisha's way of providing for his family. That was Elisha's way of past success. That was Elisha's way of prosperity. That was Elisha's comfort zone. Yeah, that speaks to us. That was Elijah's comfort zone. The plow was everything to Elijah. But sometimes we just don't want to let go of the plow. Sometimes we don't want to let go of the plow. But Elisha not only let go of the plow, when Elijah told him to follow him to get a double portion, Elisha turned back and broke the plow, never to look back on the old system, never to look back on where he came from. He trusted him with all his heart. We have to have godly men in our life like Elijah. We have to have godly mentors in our life. And that brings me to the next point. We have to have the right people in our life. We have to have the right people in our life. God says in John 14, 15, Verily, verily, I say to you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall do also. Greater works than, he, than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. How are we going to do the works that Jesus done if we still stuck on shy and timid? We have to break the plow. We have to move on. We have to move on. We have to have the right people. We have to have the right atmosphere, energy source, information, location, and people in our life. You know, we, we have to have friends and loved ones and family and mentors and spiritual fathers who will tell us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. But a lot of times we put people in our life that tell us what we want to hear and not what we need to hear. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, 6, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. How many of us have good friends that will tell us what we need to hear? Sometimes that hurts. That hurts when they tell us. But I encourage you tonight, if you don't have a person in your life that's going to correct you when you need correcting, that's going to tell you the areas that you need to work on, 
then you need to get that kind of person in your life, that kind of godly brother and sister that's going to correct you and tell you when you need to tighten up in some areas. We call that accountability relationship. We all need to have relationships that we can be accountable to that person. That person can speak godly things into our life. But a lot of times we want to develop a relationship off of points of relativity. We relate to that person because they've already walked through what we're walking through. And that's a dangerous thing because if we got weaknesses in a certain area and we develop a relationship because that person has a weakness, then what we did is we multiplied our weakness times two. We just multiplied it times two. So the relationships that we want to develop in our life, the people that we want to have around us are people that are strong in areas that we're weak. People that don't have problems where areas that we do have problems. These are the kind of people that we need to have in our life. So many people have their own friends in their life. You hear the old saying, birds of a feather flock together. That's not in the Bible. Or is it in the Bible? I don't think it's in the Bible. But it's true. But what is in the Bible is bad company corrupts good morals. That's in 1 Corinthians 15.33. Yes, 1 Corinthians 15.33 if you're taking notes. In the Amplified Version. Bad company corrupts good morals. We have to have the right people in our life. We have to pray that God gives us the wisdom to choose the right people in our life because sometimes we know better but we just don't apply it we don't apply that wisdom and I know in my life personally that's that's made me who I am not that I have it all right but I've had the opportunity to have many spiritual fathers that spoke into my life and corrected me and corrected me and sharpened me and told me and still are telling me the areas that I'm doing things that need to just be tightened up a little bit. It's an accountability relationship. So we have to have the right atmosphere. We have to have the right energy source. We have to have the right information. We have to have the right location. And the last thing I want to talk to you about is having the right timing. Look at your neighbor and say, timing is everything. Timing is everything. In Ecclesiastics, it says there's a purpose for every season. There's a time and a purpose for every season. Ecclesiastics was written by Solomon. He wrote Proverbs, Ecclesiastics, and Song of Solomon, three books in the Bible. And he was a very wise man. And he said that timing, there's a season and a, a purpose for every season under the sun. But he also said that everything under the sun is vain. Is vain unless we have God connected to it. Unless it's all about God. Unless it's about our relationship with God. He says the life that man lives, the work that he does, the life that he lives, it's all vain. He gave many examples of vain things. But unless God is connected to it, then it's worth something. We have to make sure that the life we live in is right. And that's why we're talking about it tonight. You can have the right purpose, but the wrong time. And then you could have, you can have the right purpose, but the wrong time. But if you aren't ready for the purpose and God's timing is right, you can miss the boat. You can miss what God has for you. So, 
purpose is connected to time. God has a purpose and a plan for all of our lives. And just like I said, when I was 30, I made that remark. If I would have been on the mission field when I was 30, I would have failed. Because it wasn't God's timing. It wasn't God's timing. So we have to get in sync with God's time clock. We have to get in sync with God's time clock. Sometimes, because of timing, we lose sight, we lose hope, we give up because we don't see the results, because we don't see the purpose unfolding before us. But I want you to know that everything you believe in for, everything that you've been praying for, is just on the other side of not giving up. In fact, Pastor Butch mentioned it about were you talking about going around Jericho six times? I forget. You talked about not giving up in what you said this morning. What we're believing for is just on the other side of not giving up. We pray and we pray and we pray, but sometimes we give up. I preached a few sermons ago about being persistent in our prayer life. Being persistent in our prayer life. And I had everyone write their prayer requests on a piece of paper and circle it and pray on it seven days. And I've heard numerous prayer testimonies of those prayers coming to pass because of persistency, because of passion, because of fervency. We can't give up just because the timing is not our time. We have to sync our time with God's time. I feel in my heart that the... the, the Praise and worship has changed the atmosphere of this room. That when we came in this room, it was just a room. But when we began to pray, when the intercessors began to walk around praying, when we began to invite the Holy Spirit into this room, the atmosphere changed. And Holy Spirit is here with us tonight. So I want you to search your hearts. We have to have the right atmosphere. We have to make sure that what we're doing is drawing God into our situation and circumstances. We have to have the right energy source. We have to make sure that just as Jude 20, we're prayed up in the Holy Ghost, that we're tapped into the Holy Spirit, that he's working in us, on us, and through us because he's our source. The Bible says that some men trust in chariots and some men trust in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord. We will trust in him because he's our source. We have to have the right people in our life. We have to have the right information in our life. We have to take in the good information. We have to absorb it and internalize it and digest it and get it inside of us. And just as the Bible says, his word, we have to eat it. It has to become part of us. It has to become who we are. We have to have the right location. Spiritually speaking, we have to be in the right place. I'm not where I used to be, but I'm not yet where I want to be. We have to be in the right place. We have to have the right people in our life. We have to have godly people surrounding us that's going to speak to us and tell us the areas that we need to work on, that's going to direct us when we take our own step, that's going to look out for us, that's going to watch for us, that's going to encourage us when we need encouragement, that won't be afraid to encourage us and speak to us. And then we have to have the right timing. We have to know that it's not our time, but it's God's time. So don't give up. 
Everything you've prayed for, everything you believe in for, everything you're looking for is just on the other side of not giving up. So don't give up. Sometimes we have in our mind when we're going to surrender to God, when we're going to give our hearts to God, when we're going to ask God to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I remember going up when I was young and getting prayed for like 10 times to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then I was in my room praying and God filled me with the Holy Spirit and I started speaking in tongues. It's God's timing. It's God's timing. But search your heart tonight. And if you ask God to baptize you in the Holy Spirit tonight, I want to pray with you before you leave because it's that easy. It's just asking the Father and he gives us the Holy Spirit. The clock is ticking on destiny. We don't have as much time as we think we have. Time is short. We're not promised tomorrow. We only have one life to live, so we have to get it right. So these areas are a foundation plan, a floor, a place to start from. And it's also not only about you, but it's about the people you influence. It's about your loved ones. It's about your family. It's about your coworkers. It's about your friends. You have all kind of eyes looking at your life looking at how you do life, how you walking through life, how you doing through the rough weeks like what me and Donna had last week. We all have those weeks. We all have those days. But we press on. If it wasn't for the prayers of my friends and my family and leaning on God, I would have been a mess. But God carried us through there so smooth. I mean, it was beautiful. I had the opportunity to share Jesus with my sister on a level that we had never talked about before she passed away. And I know she's in heaven with God. That was beautiful. That was more than her. I would take that over her living 10 more years and living life wrong. There's a right way and a wrong way to live life. We have to get it right. We have to get it right. So let's pray. Let's pray. <clears throat> You may be in here tonight, and I don't know where your heart is. But if you left this church building, and God forbid you didn't make it home, would you stand in front of God and he say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant? Or would he say, Depart from me, I never knew you? You may go to bed tonight and never wake up in the morning. We have to know that we know that we know that we have salvation. And it's for us to know. God says the time is now. Now is the time for salvation. Now is the timing. His plans, his promises will unfold before us, but we can't wait another second to get our life right with God. It's appointed to man once to die. And then we stand before God in judgment. So our eternal destination has to be secure. The Bible says that if we believe on the Lord Jesus and confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead, that we shall be saved. If you would die tonight, tomorrow, next week, do you know without a shadow of a doubt that you will be saved? With every head bowed, nobody looking around, just slip your hand up real quickly where you are, and I want to pray for you. If you don't know that you'll be saved, 
I want to pray for you. Praise you, Lord. So everybody here is saved. If I was preaching tonight and the Holy Spirit tugged on your heart and said that these are areas that you could adjust, these are areas that you could correct, I want to open up the altar to you tonight. And I'm telling you, I know that the Holy Spirit spoke to a lot of people in here about having the right atmosphere, about having the right energy source, about moving to a new location, a new level in obedience and holiness, about God's timing, about the people and relationships in your life. If you need adjustment in some of these areas and the Holy Spirit put that on your heart, I want you to come to the altar tonight and I want to pray with you. I want to stand in the gap with you because we have to get it right. We don't have time in this life to get it wrong. There's a right way and a wrong way. And we can't go another day with it not completely right. I want to stand in agreement with you. I want to pray with you. If you need have prayer needs in those areas, I just ask you to come up now to the altar and we'll pray. If God put that on your heart, Life is a struggle, but we don't have to struggle. These areas will help us walk smoothly through life. These areas will cause us to be blessed and favored if we can just adjust them and get them in the right perspective. If we can get the right identity about us, the good information. We don't have to struggle as hard as we are sometimes. Sometimes we just have to be open to the Holy Spirit. So if you're struggling in any of these areas, atmosphere, people, timing, Location, energy source. I want to pray with you tonight. And, and if you asked the Lord to give you baptism in the Holy Spirit, if you've never spoken in tongues, your spiritual prayer language that confounds the enemy, that speaks your heart straight to the throne room, that's for all of us today. I ask you to come up and let's pray. Let's pray that God baptizes you. I prayed with a man two weeks ago and he got baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. And all he did was said, Lord, fill me with your spirit. And he began to speak in other tongues like he had never done. If you've never spoken tongues, I just ask you to come up. I want to pray with you tonight. If anybody has any specific prayer needs, come up and let us pray with you, please. The Bible says that one can chase a thousand, two can chase ten thousand. If two or more gathered agree in touching anything on earth, that I'm there and that your heavenly Father hears what you ask and will grant your request. I'm asking you to come up and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word. I thank you for this message that you've put on my heart to share with the people. I thank you, Lord God, that, that 
we're walking through this life not alone, Lord God, but that you, we're walking hand in hand with you and that you are living on the inside of us. Your spirit, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Your spirit is leading us and guiding us and placing our footsteps on solid ground, not shifting sand, but solid ground as we walk through this life, as we navigate and mitigate through these areas, Lord God. I would ask that your Holy Spirit reveals to us anything that would offend you. Your word says that let my words be pleasant in your sight. Let the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, Lord God. Be pleasing to you. Lord, let every area that we spoke tonight be pleasing to you. Be a, a situation that you would be drawn to, Lord God, when we would ask for you to come into this presence. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this presence. When we ask for you to come into our situation, in our circumstances, we know that you're a faithful God. We know that you're there with us, Lord God. We thank you. We thank you for people in our life that would minister to us, people in our life that would encourage us to move on. We thank you, Lord God, that we are moving on, that we're moving closer to you spiritually, that our location, Lord God, is not stagnant, not stale, not the same as it was 10 years ago, but we're becoming more and more like you. Oh, we praise you, Father. We thank you, Father. Lord, we worship you tonight. We worship you tonight. If anybody else has prayer requests or needs us to pray with you, believe with you, pray for you, stand in agreement with you, I ask you to come to the altar. If not, I'm going to dismiss everybody. We have food and fellowship next door. Let's stay in the atmosphere of prayer while we're praying for the ones at the altar, but everyone else, you're dismissed. And I